What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. Don't worry, it's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Walenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music product space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. I'm your host, Natalie Morrison. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we're back for another episode. We're on that monthly kick now, so we'll be putting out episodes once a month uh, as a way to create more content around the themes of the podcast and our deep dive series and all of this wonderful stuff. So I'm excited, and I hope you're excited. It's going to be great. Anyway, I cannot believe that as this is airing, it's November. Where did the year go? I feel like it was just a couple months ago that I was saying, like, I can't believe we're at the end of 2020, and now we're at the end of 2021. It's mind-blowing, to say the least. It's just, wow. I, I have no words. Anyway, I'm really excited about today's episode. I got the opportunity to speak with Elizabeth De La Mater. She is the a percussionist educator who has performed and lectured around the world and is currently the chair of the Diversity Alliance for the Percussive Arts Society, aka PAS. They host a convention every November this month, um, PASIC. Um, in Indianapolis, Indiana. So if you are attending PASIC this year, definitely tune into this episode um, as we talk a lot about um, some of the events that are happening at the convention this year. Um, We talk all about the Diversity Alliance and how that was started and the work that they're doing. And we also just talk about Elizabeth as a percussionist and um, her experiences traveling the world. And it was a wonderful conversation and I hope you all enjoy it. And yeah, with that said, I'll see you on the flip side. Ta-ta for now. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining Swim Masters. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I'd love, we love to start the podcast getting to know who each of our guests are. So from the beginning, can you share with us your career story? 
Um, sure. That, that's such a long question. If you're my mother, I would tell you very different details. But um, <laughs> uh, basically, I am a percussionist, I'm an educator, and I'm a researcher. I use those words um, because those are the things that I do the most often that I am, I think, the most interested in doing. And those are the things that I um, have done the longest. So I, I certainly um, try to participate in music in whatever way possible. Um, but uh, teaching and performing and researching, those were always my dreams. Performing and actually just being in music was always my dream. Mm. Um, so I know the definition thing can kind of get strange for people. Um, but I started when I was very little, I just wanted to do music. So first that was as a tiny little ballerina. Aww. And then I was uh, in piano. And then I finally got the chance to play the drums, which I had been, um, you know, just listening and listening to and looking at and um, intrigued by. And when uh, the teachers finally said, you know, we think you'd be good at this, I was super relieved. Um, <laughs> and, but I, my parents said yes, my mother said yes, because at the time um, she had already paid for multiple instruments for my older brother. And uh, my parents kind of had that, you know, um, participation and money fatigue. And then they found out that it was only $5 for drumsticks for little 10 year olds. And they said, you betcha. Oh my Go gosh. <laughs> so I was in, they, they found out the hard truth later, but by then it was too late. So, um, I was lucky enough to get a private teacher and into youth symphony when I was in um, middle school and high school. And, um, did my undergrad and master's, then I taught and performed for a while, and then I went back for my doctorate, and then have been teaching and performing and, and researching and, and anything else people will let me do ever since. I love it. What calls you to percussion? And like, it seems to be an incredibly universal art form, and Every culture has a history and tradition around it. So what called you to percussion? It's still at the end of the day, now that I've been doing it for almost 40 years, it really is like, you still got to like actually doing it. I still, if I didn't like to literally hit things and make cool sounds or beautiful sounds or intriguing sounds, I wouldn't do that. But percussion and rhythm, the key that you said was connection and and universality and and uh, the fact that um people history is preserved through music sometimes just through one rhythm or or through an instrument you only know that people have connected um by force or by choice um because perhaps you'll find the same instrument from across oceans you know or the same rhythm and um that spins out into truly amazing experiences and um, links. I think that can, that has continued to keep us together. I agree. Is there a specific aspect of percussion that's more your specialty? Like, are you a mallet player or are you 
drum set or world instrument? Um, this is where it also gets funny because um, we, some of us end up organizing ourselves or classifying ourselves according to what we prefer. And some of us, um, I would like to be able to do everything, Yeah, <laughs> but I don't get to do everything. <laughs> I get paid to play orchestral music and play um, Caribbean music. I also teach music from West Africa and other places only when there aren't actual experts in the room. Um, I've studied, been able to study music from different parts of the world because I've had wonderful culture bearer teachers. And so um, I've just been really lucky. So as a uh, university instructor or as an adjunct, I've been invited also to sometimes teach um, things from cultures outside my own. So I love that. Yeah, that's my my long-term way of saying it. I think it depends on who you ask. But, um, you know, I, I do – I mean, I'm sitting in my studio. I have a drum set, and we have uh, marimba here, and I'm um, working on a timpani – or a tambourine workshop I'm about to give, but there are also congas right behind me. So, I love it. Is there – I'm, like, going off script, but is there a specific – like you said that you've traveled the world and you've studied – various cultures is yeah is there a place that you felt that you grew the most as a percussionist yes um the really the place the one of the places that i the the musics that i truly love that i've trained the most on um that's not western classical is music of trinidad and tobago wow Um, that's because I lucked into it in my undergrad and then I've had the chance to study it. I ended up doing a history about that for my dissertation. And I truly do love uh, the music of Trinidad. I've taught there. Um, I don't know everything about all of it, but I hope to spend the rest of my life doing that. Um, the main, the national instrument of Trinidad and Tobago is a steel pan. And I really do um, love teaching, playing that, teaching it, learning all about the music of it. So that's one of my top faves. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So how have you seen the role in women in percussion evolve during your years of working and traveling the world on a global scale? It's, um, I've seen, I've seen us, uh, allowed into and also just, entering um spaces that we we weren't in before so um i feel i have to say that i it's just definitely not as much as i had hoped by now and definitely not as much as is right um but it's it truly is quite different there were times in my young life where i was prevented by a teacher or a somebody else, um, from literally playing a specific instrument and it could be something super simple and silly, like a snare drum because of my genitalia. And that still does happen, um, in other parts of the world. It still happens here in North America, but, um, it happens much less. And so many different things are changing and you'll see women in all areas um, of the music industry. And it's a, it's a really wonderful thing. 
Where do you see opportunities for growth where the world of percussion is now? And how would you describe the ecosystem of the percussion world for someone hoping to work in it or even students looking to pursue it professionally? So I think that the the growth opportunities are going to be interdisciplinary and holistic. I think that there will always be times where you need a performers of certain kinds of music will need a great drummer of a certain kind of music. And hopefully there will always be some full-time jobs in special specialties. However, I think the most growth will be available to people who are interdisciplinary artists or who can collaborate with other artists or better yet collaborate with other people from other disciplines or other industries um, the, you know, sustainability has many meanings, but we are, it is, it is crucial that we find a way for our, uh, species and our world to remain sustainable. And music is a wonderful way to do that. It's, uh, percussion, especially, helps sustain cultures, helps sustain cultural history. Um, percussion, you can play percussion, you can make music on literal trash, right? Um, it's one instrument that does not depend on um, uh, endangered wood, for example. Um, we can continue without hurting our environment. We can just play our bodies and make music. Um, we also are in this wonderful um, privilege of this rhythm that we already mentioned, this connection that we have globally. Um, and so as more people, for example, with the long COVID, more people become sick and with our aging population, it's already been proven that music therapy is incredibly, incredibly healing. And the research already on music therapy for long COVID patients is very, very positive. And percussion is a huge part of that. And so uh, my answers are, are big in general, and, uh, but that's, that's what it is. The people who will um, be able to find connections and, and make connections are the people who will find and make places for themselves. I love that. I love how broad you can get, yet how important what you said the research that you that you're talking about it's it's music is healing and music yeah. is universal we've all said that and i think one thing that has rung true for me is that music brings everyone together during hard times and i think we felt that especially with covid right. um and this this period of isolation from everyone so yeah. I bet all of us have ways that music has saved us in uh, in many different um, d definitions of that word, right? Yeah. Um, at different times in our lives. And um, there is literal new research that I just read about music therapy for long COVID patients. Um, so it's it, it, people are needed. It's necessary. Love it. See, you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to be a performer to work in right. music. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. 
We need more music therapists. We need amazing. Is there anything in particular, like in your research, especially like with like the long COVID stuff that has really sparked your interest with how music has helped? Um, well, I, so I have, uh, I have, uh, taught music therapists techniques on different instruments and I have worked with music therapists on projects. Um, but then in the last couple of years, I've seen music therapy, the need for music therapy in, in, t- in new places. I've seen, um, people in c- countries outside of the U S um, kind of, doing rogue music therapy, uh, which is to actually just, uh, probably what humans have always done doing what comes naturally to them, seeing people in need and, and offering what they have, which is music, um, or an experience, um, to people who are ill, but also there are some interesting things with, um, reading and music. And actually, I don't think this is this is probably a huge field that I really don't know anything about. I've just um, started to see a bit of it. And uh, also then this um, long COVID, I'm a long COVID sufferer myself. So now I'm on the receiving end of research. It comes to my inbox from uh, to me as a patient. And Mm. um, so now I'm seeing it as I'm being recommended to go. And I've been because I'm a musician, I actually had to resist for a while because it hit me differently. But then I did find a way to use music for some of my recovery. And um, thank goodness I had it, right? Um, so the uh, I'm talking to people in a, this chat for long COVID. Uh, it's on Slack. Um, there are 12,000 people around the world who are just on this chat, um, talking to each other, trying to help each other through various experiences and sharing what is helping them. And a lot of people are talking about music. That's amazing. Yeah. Again, music is universal. Right. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, let's pivot a little bit and chat about your work um, as the chair of the diver- chair of the Diversity Alliance at PAS, the, per- yeah. the Percussive Arts Society. So let's start. And what is the Diversity Alliance for people who are don't know? The Diversity Alliance is uh, basically a an internal committee. So the Percussive Art Society is uh, the largest professional society service organization for professional percussionists and hobbyists in um, the Western world, at least. There are over 30 international chapters. Uh, it's based in the U.S. Um, and uh, so there are um, chapters or, or committees that focus on different specific areas or specific styles or instruments. And the Diversity Alliance is a group of people that works to support the other members. Um, So the Diversity Alliance works to uh, support 
the members of PAS and the PAS community, um, particularly those who belong to marginalized populations. And in general, the mission of the Progressive Art Society is to further educate and um, develop percussion around the world um, in many different ways. So the, the Diversity Alliance is, is a bit more holistic, but um, really it's, it's trying to make sure that everyone's included. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, uh, in the U.S., and uh, especially in the U.S., but in North America, um, perhaps modern times, those are, that's a loaded phrase that uh, is, I'm going to use to cover a lot of things, has um, capitalism, for example, has taken precedence over many other things. And so we've ended up um, forgetting and or not solving a lot of problems. And um, like many things, the Progressive Arts Society was going full blast, but some people were left, feeling left behind or some people were left behind. So um, a few years ago, the some folks in leadership got together and realized that, um, for example, at the convention, some people weren't showing up anymore. And um, I myself by then was a uh, sort of successful woman, and all these young women were coming to me and talking to me in little corners of the hallway or spots side, you know, at, at the side of the convention hall, the exhibit hall, talking to me about problems with their colleagues or their professors or members of their section. Everybody's whispering, right, and asking for advice. Mm-hmm. And saying, what do I do about this harasser? He's in my section and I don't know what to do because my personnel manager isn't. So I just interrupted myself to basically say, you know, the whisper networks had developed and there was a lot of peer support going on, but um, we just needed to have, to try to come up with a more formal support network. And also to try to, in general, dispel stereotypes and say, Look, it, a drum. Drums are hit all over the world um, by all kinds of people, and it doesn't matter what you expect to see. Um, there are this happens, right? <laughs> so so it, sometimes I use the an incorrect phrase and say, um, you know, anybody can be a percussionist, but the truth is, everybody is a percussionist all around the world. You'll see all skin colors, all genders, all uh, abilities or, or disabilities. And um, we just need to make sure that is not surprising. Right. <laughs> That's so interesting. I, where, when you're talking about these like whisper circles. Uh, yeah. And that's why a lot of these different organizations have been popping up over the years to support women or people of color or just any marginalized group in the industry that feels like they aren't seen and they want to have a voice at the table. It's right. It's so interesting that these are now formally coming together um, when people have been whispering because there's been no other place to go and, have these conversations. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a, it's a great point. I'm so glad it is happening. It's, there are some people who are saying, 
why is it necessary? And the, the answer is, it's actually already happened. We just don't want to have to sneak around to, to make some folks feel better. Right. Um, you know, it, I understand that uh, some of it is generational. Um, and uh, especially a couple of generations before mine, it was, if there are problems, you don't talk about them. Right. And um, it's maybe some of us that, but also it's just not nice to talk about. Um, it's just it's not nice to know that somebody else you know is uh, bigoted. So um, we we have we had we've already been talking about it. We just need to be able to talk about it um, in the open and try to deal with it positively. Um, and then really it's about younger people, especially, and it's about helping them, um, well, helping us all. We all need a support network. Yeah. So. You kind of touched on this too, but what drew you to get involved with the Alliance? Yeah. I, um, some of the folks that were, also being pulled in into corners and being asked for advice um, were like myself already in, involved in committees, other committees and other parts of the Progressive Art Society. Um, but other, uh, other things that were in place in structure of the society were, were about nuts and bolts running of a service organization or they um, were concerned with putting on the convention or sponsoring contests, the, the things that are their actual duties. And so um, I was talking to some folks and we, we would have these side conversations about, you know, we, we also have to address these other issues that aren't being addressed. And um, it, it's now, it became apparent that the end solution was to, simply create a group of people who, who then that was their job. Um, because it's not that the job of the drum set committee, they, they've got a lot to do. They can't also talk about, um, you know, the, well, all the initiatives we have, but they can't also be working on, um, the handbook, for example, that we're doing. So, um, they, for the president of the time, which is maybe we're six years ago now, by Dr. Julie Hill, and um, one of the other uh, committee leaders at the time, Dr. Heather Sloan, they were the basically the two founders of the Diversity Alliance, and I was on committees with both of them. Um, the World Committee was the first committee where we had a gender um, issues of gender and field study in world percussion. And that was, um, a really positive session. It was just one hour, one year, but people, many people hadn't thought about issues of, for example, what it's like to be a, a woman, um, out, uh, in, in, in a new brand new country in a brand new place and all of a sudden needing menstrual products. Mm. And so all of these, you know, guys who were saying, it's so easy to travel to Brazil, you know, they were saying, oh, oh, you know, there are so many things I didn't think of. Oh, so if I'm going to advise my students, oh, there's some issues I need to, I have to be keeping in mind. 
Um, that, I think it was really after that um, session was, was so well received. I think that's when there was enough support um, for Heather and Julie to really say, let's have a meeting. So then the first big concrete thing that happened was a, something that had an amorphous name. It was like something like a female percussionists or something. And I, I know they were even asked by the scheduler, why do you need this? And they just said, trust us or something. Hmm. I'm telling the story wrong, I'm sure. But I do know that they, that I, they scheduled a meeting, the room was packed and you know, it was like, I didn't even know there were this, I didn't, there are all these young ladies there in college who I didn't even know they were there at the convention. And then it turned out, Oh wait, there are a whole bunch of other people of other genders and other people, men of color who are also in need of a place voice. Um, and, uh, okay, this is going to happen. So then the, it's really all Julie Hill and Heather Sloan. They made it a formal thing, and um, we've been growing ever since. I became chair in January 2020. Before the world went. <laughs> Before. <laughs> uh, well, the convention is actually happening next month. Well, by the time this podcast airs, the convention is happening in the, within November. Um <laughs> Are there any, and I might be throwing you off left field, um, are there any events that the Diversity Alliance is hosting that people yeah. who, who might be listening, um, who are attending PASIC can uh, yes. check out? Yes, please. Um, so one of the things that we are are really proud to be able to do is to host conversations. And we were able to start well, to do this before um, at PASIC, but then, of course, that's one of the things we were able to do during the pandemic with virtual sessions. And so we're going to continue our series, which has the large title of um, Percussion is for Everybody, and this year's version is Disabled Percussionists. So there will be four panelists who are physically disabled. They have different types of careers. Um, and they are different at different points in their career. Um, and, uh, some of them actually are also disability musical advocates. One of them is, uh, on the board of a, an international disabled musician foundation. Hmm. Um, and I get to moderate the whole thing. So that will be on Friday on one o'clock in one of the 200 rooms, so one of the <laughs> panel rooms um, on the Friday of our convention. Another event is one of the virtual sessions um, is a quartet named Recap. And so one of, I'm, one of our subcommittees, the professional development um, subcommittee, uh, they helped sponsor this event and helped organize this application Recap is an amazing um, quartet of uh, female-identified percussionists. They're just profiled on NPR. Oh, that's awesome. It's, they're going to be on the virtual session. And virtual um, programs will be available, I think, until New Year's Eve. Um, another one that we're absolutely not responsible for, other than the some of the members of the Alliance 
um, came up with this, uh, but it's not like it was one of our initiatives, um, is uh, another panel discussion from the Education Committee about diverse programming and diverse uh, educating resources for the university curriculum. Mm. And um, that is some incredible musicians, including uh, one of the points for the Diversity Alliance, our gender subcommittee point. And they will have a meet and greet at our booth. So that's, that's another big thing is that the Diversity Alliance has a booth in the ex- exhibit hall. And we also have a room um, in the hotel that people can come visit at any time. We'll have informal and some formal mentoring sessions there. We'll have a lot of information up, um, some educational posters up. Um, we'll have some meet and greets from our other events. And um, it'll be a place where people can uh, also just go to be quiet or to be safe. Um, it's, a, it's a thing to stay tuned. So if people can keep an eye on our social media feed, then we'll keep updating it with uh, things as we add to the schedule. I love it. I'll include those links in the okay. description so people Thank can you. find it. But that's Thank awesome. You. Very exciting, um, especially to have a convention back in in person. So yeah, I mean it's it's a uh, it's terrifying. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a COVID survivor. It's it's terrifying in many ways. But this is um, it's going to be November, and so the convention center that we're going to is will it'll be will have been open for four or five months and I've been reading all about what this and other convention centers have been doing and um, they have their act down and everybody, by the time they get into the hallways, they will have had to prove their vaccination status and um, we'll all wear masks. And I think that, you know, we're just going to be so excited to be seeing each other that, um, a lot of our international friends can't make it this year, but mm. um, that's okay. We, we have a virtual component and we'll try to beam out everything that's possible, or at least I'll beam out my activities. Yeah. That's amazing. It's nice. So uh, to wrap some, wrap this up a little bit, uh, let's talk about the future. Yeah. <laughs> I know big, big question, but yeah. um What's a piece of advice about your career that you wish you'd known about when you were first starting out? And what would you tell someone starting today? I really wish that I'd known that I wish it had been pointed out to me or that I'd been smart enough to realize that, of course, the unknown is the unknown. So the only thing people are going to talk about is what's already been done. But you are not anybody else. You can only be you and you can only work on getting better and improving to be the best musician, human that you can possibly be. And you will waste so much time and so much anguish uh, listening to the shoulds, whether they come from others or internally. Um, Just stay on the path. That is what I, if somebody did say that, I apologize that I didn't listen, (laughs) but I, you know, I really, there were, especially in the nineties when I was a college student, there were so many shoulds 
about this and that and how you should do this and should do that. Um, and, uh, this is the way to success. And, and so much of it didn't seem to work for me that I was certain I would be a failure. And, um, it took me so long to figure out, well, of course, that's how that, those people succeeded, but so it wouldn't make sense for me anyway. Right. Yeah. That's good advice. I mean, that's, I try to tell my students that now the other, only other addition is your support network is crucial. And sometimes people will let you down, including the people who are supposed to be there for you. So find the people who will be your cheerleaders and keep them close. Find your musical artistic correct collaborators and keep them close and uh, there will be a place for you. I love it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for taking the time to chat with me this evening. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing how PACE it goes and just your work in general is very inspiring. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for letting me blab. I really, really appreciate everything that you're doing with this podcast, all of the work that you do, that you folks do. And again, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Swim Masters. Don't forget to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all new things swim. We'd love it if you could share and leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at smartwomeninmusic.org. This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie Lamond, Natalie Morrison, and Julia Olson. See you next time.